Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Miller Lite. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome into the Dan Ryan Show, the official podcast of the Loopsports.com. My name is Anders Johansson. Uh, joining me this episode, I got Matt G. And uh, for the first time on the Dan Ryan Show, uh, fellow editor and uh, co-founder of the Loop Sports, Owen Schoenfeld. Owen, what's up? Yeah, I, uh, I tried to make it to the last ones, but I was stocking traffic jams. Uh, likely story. Matt, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm all right. How are you? Good. I'm I'm doing pretty well. I uh, I got to go to the White Sox opening day game today. That was a lot of fun. Um, it was fun. I was a little bummed that they got uh, rained out. It was fun for me just being there. The on on field yeah. product wasn't the greatest, but we'll probably get to that in a little bit. Uh, I was bummed that the game was rained out yesterday, but happy that it got pushed to today because that meant I was able to go. So. You know, silver lining and all that stuff. So I have two questions for you, Anders. How many people were okay. at the game? Like, rough um, estimate. I, I want to at the beginning, there was maybe 10,000. And Ooh. after the second inning, maybe 4,000 people. Because uh, the second inning was when the Tigers piled on their five runs. Oh, my gosh. I thought just, that number was going to go up. Yeah. That second inning was not pretty. I don't know what happened to Quintana, but it was a lot of fun reading the Twitter and seeing uh, the, the Twitter. Yeah, I called it the Twitter. Don't laugh at me. Um, <laughs> and seeing what people thought of Quintana and his trade value. A lot of people saying, oh, he should have been traded in spring and that this really kills his uh, his trade value, but I don't know. We'll see. Uh, yeah, I don't think I'm, I'm going to be able to survive if Quintana just deflates his value because Twitter is going to be insufferable about like all the missed opportunities. I yes. just I won't be able to do it. Just yeah. That's yeah. what I was that's what I was laughing at more not not the the Twitter, but rather angry Twitter. Um yeah. I can tell you even as a Cubs fan in 2016, like angry Twitter is a thing. I can only imagine uh with a start like this for Quintana. And I need Quintana to do well too, because I'm in a baseball pool with some of my, my relatives, family members, and we ended up with the White Sox as one of our teams, so we in the Sox fans were get some money. Sox fans were frustrated enough in spring training and, you know, over the off season uh two thousand sixteen into two thousand seventeen that Quintana wasn't traded. And I'm sure today just added to that, like why didn't you trade him before this happened? You know, it's just it's I don't know. People are frustrated, and I understand. But I also think that it's too small of a sample size, and he'll still be good, so we'll see. It's just a narrative I don't want to see become a thing. Yeah. Like like how the Adam LaRoche thing happened last uh, off season, like during spring training, and I thought, oh, it's going to carry into the season because they're going to like start losing, and all the headlines are going to be, you know, White Sox distracted by LaRoche fallout. Yeah. <laughs> and then they got on this like 23 and 10 start, but then it's like they actually did get distracted by something. Probably the the manager in the dugout. Probably. Rick Renneria is short. 
I didn't realize how short he was. He went out on the mound, and he was probably a good foot shorter than everybody else who was standing around him. So. That's surprising. I guess I always thought he was, like, around 5'10", or something. I don't know. I'd have to look up his official height, but he just, uh, everybody else towered over him. I thought that was kind of entertaining. Um, so, obviously, I mean, the Sox, you know, didn't do too well on opening day. The Cubs... Didn't do too well in their first game either, but they're currently playing. And Matt, what's going on with that game? I mean, this is going to be extremely well, updated by the time people listen, but you can still talk. Yeah, about right. <laughs> they're up two-one, bottom of the sixth. But uh, the Cardinals have the bases loaded with two outs. Area can't seem to find the zone, and notorious Cub killer Randall Grichuk is at the plate. Would you like to share with our listeners what you did to Jake Arrieta just about a half hour ago, maybe? <laughs> I am the reason that the Cardinals have anybody on base. Um, yeah. I, I mistakenly sent a message to our, uh, our group, our group chat, you know, just, just as an informational kind of deal, <laughs> letting him know the area was perfect through three. And the next batter was Dexter Fowler, who blooped some little, little duck snow right over Addison Russell. I accept full responsibility for anything that happens Good. in this game. I'm glad you do. Cause it's your fault. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he popped up. All right, I oh oh my god, all four infielders are converging. Okay, this is some I, good I, commentary I it. here. It was it was like um I I immediately thought of Gordon Beckham against the Mets <laughs> two three years ago because all <laughs> all four infielders ran towards this the exact same spot. Right when you said four infielders are converging, that was my exact thought. I not, I just, think that's gonna be. I'm traumatized by that moment. <laughs> it's just ingrained in my brain. And Hawk's yeah, call... It'll be fresh in our minds. It, whenever I'm, like, thinking, oh, the White Sox, like, it couldn't get worse, I just play that clip on YouTube, because hearing <laughs> Hawk call that play is just... It's gold. Because <laughs> after the ball hits the ground, then Steve Stone's like... And Chris Sale cannot win. Because I think, like, Sale pitched, like, a, a good enough game, like, to get a win. Like, where he deserved to win that game. And, uh it's, yeah. it's so bad. Hadn't he been coming off of a couple no decisions as well? Yes. And is that, that why that I think that contributed thing. to Stone's yeah. frustration? I, so I, then after, uh, I just, after Matt G... Sorry, continue. Go I was going to say, Hawk said, now I remember what he exclaimed. He's like, and we find another way. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, after Matt blew Arietta's perfect game, we kind of joked about Sorry. how yeah. it would be funny if there was a kid that kind of realized he uh, he could control the outcome of games. And then Owen shared with everybody that you wrote and published a book when you were like 12. <laughs> Do you want to give a brief synopsis of that <laughs> that book? Uh, yeah, I'll give myself a, a plug. Um, although, <laughs> yeah, I don't know it. if it's still in stock uh, on Amazon. But uh, it's called It Isn't Just a Game, if you didn't figure that out. And um, it is sort of based on what you were saying, Anders, where these two kids are playing uh, 2K baseball on their GameCube, and basically... They play at the same time that the White Sox play, and whatever they do actually starts happening. So then they like commit their whole summer to just playing 
and trying to win like as the White Sox. And it, it's uh, my twin brother and I wrote it like a couple years after 2005, so it's loosely based on 2005. Although uh, there's a there's a very suspenseful ending. The, the White Sox spoiler: the White Sox win the World Series, but not. Whoa, in... dude! I haven't I haven't gotten to that season yet. Come on. <laughs> you haven't gotten that page yet? Yeah. That's that's toward the end. But yeah, anyway, it it was a fun it was a fun experience, but I liked Donners when you're like there's no such thing as an original idea. There <laughs> yeah, just there isn't. I I was like, "Oh, I'm so proud of this idea. I'm going to write a little short film for my YouTube channel about a guy that realizes he can influence perfect games." <laughs> you're like, "Oh, I published a book about that 10 years ago." <laughs> Hey, if you want to make the movie adaptation of the book, you're you're welcome to. Oh, that'd be so much fun! Oh, no, wow. Seriously, like this is something we could we, we could do this summer. We could do that as a the Loop Sports remakes. It isn't just a game. The very first Loop Sports original short film. The Loop Sports is going to become like uh, like every other major website now that's suddenly making original <laughs> television shows. <laughs> like Amazon is making an original television. Oh movie. yeah. Uh, Facebook wants to. You know, no way. Yeah, I, yeah. They're like getting into everything now. So, so Loop Sports the editors were were kind of just thrown around this idea. We want to start producing, you know, original television shows to stream. So, just this idea just came up on this podcast, but I think it has huge potential. Pretty sure it's affordable, too. I think so. We all have the gear already. For the most part. All you need is a laptop and an idea. (laughs) Oh, an original idea. And a couple thousand for uh, production. We don't need to talk about that, alright? Not yet. I was sounding very encouraging, and then you ruined it. Also, um, I did just... I looked up Rick Renteria's height to go back a little bit. He's 5'9", so Owen, you were pretty close. Hey. Okay. I am I was very, very close. Off by an inch. I want to look up... Uh, I know he's a lot shorter than Todd Frazier. Frazier's what, like 6'3"? I'm going to go like with 6'2". Frazier's, Frazier's a tall guy. And then Abreu's pretty tall. Um, okay. Saladino and Anderson, I'd say. I'm going to say Frazier is 6'2", and Abreu is 6'3". Three and I'm gonna see if my Rangers, magic works. Rangers six three. A Brady is also six three. Dang it! Both so six three. I was off. I was off an inch. Game of inches. I nailed it though, didn't I? Didn't I nail it? I said six think three, so? didn't I? I think so. It's um. So, uh, initial like first thoughts on uh, respective teams. Matt, what do you have? You noticed anything about the Cubs? in their first game and a half that kind of worries you or that you're excited about or anything like that? Well, uh, Chris Bryant, I believe, is still hitless. I missed his last at-bat, so I'm going to double-check, but I am pretty positive he still does not have a hit, which isn't worrying, per se. It's not like like I'm concerned about his long-term potential or anything, but it would be nice to see him... At least start hitting the ball. I think Rizzo, too, has been struggling a little bit. I read a tweet, I forget who it was from, that said, I walked past Brizzo Insurance. I walked past the Brizzo company, and there was a sign on the door that said, 
uh, gone for lunch, be back soon, or something like that. <laughs> Which, yeah, like, you know, it's not worrying, but it'd be nice to see him start to hit. I have a solution for you. You should just text in the group chat, Chris Bryant doesn't have a hit yet. You know what? I was about to text something along the lines of the Cubs will not win every game this year, but I was too con- I was too concerned about like like screenshots to an extent. I, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to say that. Even if it's jinxing, I don't like saying that. <laughs> <laughs> it's reverse jinxing, right? Right. And I will say that Kyle Schwarber want the outcome. Yeah, Schwarber's up now. Schwarber has been amazing so far in the leadoff role, which I get a lot of people were worried about, and he's he's coming through. He is not. I think that was a gutsy call. Yeah, because he gets on base a lot, and uh, even though he might not be the fastest guy on the team, he's at least a runner on the base paths right away. Yeah. You know? So I don't know. It was a gutsy call. Something that. Uh, like any other team might not do, but maybe it's a, a trendsetter. That's what he did with the, the pitcher hitting eighth back in 2015. Nobody else did that, and by the end of the season, there were, I don't remember who, but there were three or four uh, other NL teams that were all hitting I their pitcher Mike, eighth. I think Mike Matheny was the first one to do that. But, sure. like, Regularly. it happened specifically in 2015. When, like, at the beginning of the season, it was just the Cubs, oh, and by the okay, end, it was... just that season. Right. Okay, gotcha. So, what do we think of Addison Russell, though, as the cleanup hitter, then? Because it goes Schwarber, Bryant, Rizzo, Russell, Contreras. Granted, it's just for this this one game I'm looking at tonight's right. game, but, like, it's, does Addison Russell... I know he hit 20 home runs last year, but does he really Driven profile... 89 runs, too, I think? 89? Yeah, yeah. I guess I guess that's sort of in his profile, but... I don't know. I just. I mean, like... I think. I think this is just for the one game. I'm not sure why Zobrist is sitting. I don't know if that's a. I don't know if that's a something that says he's not. He's going to be sitting for the majority of the season in favor of Baez. But I think in the long run, Zobrist is going to end up with more starts, and Zobrist is the guy who normally occupies that cleanup spot. And I think regardless of who's there, if, like I don't think Madden really cares about the profile very much. You know that's why we see Schwarber leading off, and the pitcher hitting eighth. Uh, but I, I personally am a huge fan of Addison Russell. You guys remember the fantasy draft when Patrick took Addison Russell for me, like yep. the same round that I was going to. You were immediately trying to trade for him. Yeah, I don't think we, we didn't get anything done, but uh, I, I'm a big believer. In Addison Russell's eventual breakout, I I love his swing. He had a double to the right center gap earlier today. Um, just a beautiful stroke on the ball, and uh, even though his average doesn't tell a story, like you can see his home run home run numbers are climbing, and I I can see Russell potentially in the future hitting like 280, two somewhere between two seventy two ninety and hitting between twenty and thirty homers every year. Like he. Might not be a cleanup guy with his numbers right now, but in the long run, I can see it. I keep going back and forth on Addison Russell because I feel like in any other lineup, um, he wouldn't be nearly the same player. I think he's benefiting uh, from the fact that the Cubs, from top to bottom, are just a solid lineup. Um, I 
don't know if he would put up the same numbers on a different team, though. And that's why the jury's still out on Addison Russell with me. Yeah. He did cut his strikeout rate considerably from 2015 to 2016. I mean, at at just over 20%. Okay, he had, no, he had 21 home runs last year. So 22% strikeout rate, 21 home runs. It's not a terrible trade-off. He walks over 9%. It's, yeah. I I definitely see the potential for him um, to be, I guess, to fit in that cleanup role or or just as a hitter in general, like you were talking about. But yeah, he's he's gonna have to cut down on the strikeouts a little bit, I think. Um, but overall, it's not it's not terrible. He had a point one seven nine ISO last year, which. For you know, a second baseman or, or uh, shortstop is decent, or used to be decent when it was extremely thin, but now the the position is uh, pretty crowded. Stacked, yeah, yeah. Because I remember there There's were days shortstops right now where we'd say like, "Oh, Alexei Ramirez, like he hit you know thirty five doubles and two eighty, like that's it's pretty good production <laughs> from a premium defensive position." And now you've got like you know, Trey Turner and Correa and uh, just, I mean, this goes on and on. Seager, Russell, Lindor. um, It's all these young guys out of nowhere. Yeah. And and you're right. Like, they're all in their young 20s. So they're really just just starting out. Uh, Like, Trevor Story, like, he had a ton of power when he came on last year and he, he played short, I think yeah. for the whole season yeah. until he got injured. Um, I don't think I can remember a time when I've seen as many borderline five tool shortstops in the league at the same time, especially not with this much power. Like yeah, usually they had a, like shortstops would have a decent hit tool and like some speed, but the power is just, it's crazy. And they all post web gem after web gem. Like, there's, there's, I can't think of one shortstop that hasn't made a great play. You know what I mean? Another reason I love Addy so much. His defense is unreal. Just waiting for uh, Tim Anderson to do that strikeout rate cut down thing. That was pitiful today at the plate. That's going to take a bit of of time. And just because that's because Tim Anderson is such an aggressive hitter. And what people need to understand is like he played, he started playing baseball as a junior in high school. Okay. Yeah. And then actually, yeah. And then he went to a junior college. So not even like a huge division one school. And when the White Sox drafted him, this was like the pro t- prototypical White Sox pick, like super raw, athletic guy, um, sort of like a Jared Mitchell type pick, and that's why people were so skeptical. But Ooh, to don't An- say that name around me. <laughs> to Anderson's credit, he he's really proven a lot of the the early doubters wrong, and I know that you know people loved the the bat speed and the general plate coverage, but it's his defense too that's been just unbelievable for someone with so little experience you know a lot of guys they play baseball you know their whole lives especially like the international players 
And for Tim Anderson to be as good defensively as we saw him at short last season, to have only been playing the game for like a little over five years is just crazy. So I think for him, there's just there's so much projection left. But yeah, the if his walk rate is gonna stay, I don't, Tim Anderson. Here's what I'd love to see his walk rate at, like five or six would be ideal. He's just so aggressive as a hitter that you wouldn't want him to adjust it too much more because you don't want him to lose that rhythm. But yeah, he's he he can't continue to strike out at almost a 30% clip, I think. I'm going to look that up. Yeah, I believe up. he was he was 0 for 4 with 3 strikeouts in today's game. Well, yeah, you know, this year his, his strikeout rate seventy five percent. You know, he's really, yeah. really got to get on that. You know, <laughs> I will say the one I did see one Sox game in spring training, Cubs Sox, and by far the Sox player that impressed me the most was Tim Anderson. Also, Albert Almora just robbed a Matt Adams homer that would have tied the game. Thanks for the scoreboard update. You're welcome. Okay, can we talk about Albert <laughs> Elmore for a second? I think yes, it was absolutely. I think it was uh, shoot. I don't remember what account it was on Twitter. I don't think it was the official Cubs account, but it was some account, and they tweeted like a side to side of Almora and Manny Ramirez. And oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I just the think swing. that's an irresponsible comp at this point. <laughs> Poor Albert I agree Almora. completely. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it was... The swing maybe looked similar, but uh, outside of that, I uh, I got nothing. I don't think they're in any way comparable. I think it's too early to say anything for sure with Almora. Other than, like, yeah. uh, comparison-wise, we can base his, uh, or we can form opinions on his, like, base skill set, but I think it's too early to say, like, oh, he definitely looks like Manny Ramirez, or, oh, he definitely looks like, <laughs> I don't know, Carlos Gonzalez. I don't, I don't know. It's too early. Yeah, especially, like, the type of player. Ramirez was a entirely offensive player that just got stuck out in left field because yeah. his <laughs> offense was good enough. Like kind of like Schwarber almost. Almora like, has good defense. Almora is like his whole life. He's been like on track for like perennial Gold Glover. Like he his defense is better than Russell's. Like we just saw it. He climbed up the fence and robbed him on a near liner. Like he he's fast and he, his instincts are amazing. Like yeah, like. Outside of that one swing, I don't know how you can say he's like Manny. Let's let's kill the Manny comp with one question. Do we think Albert Almora, granted this is during the steroid era, uh, could slug six ninety seven? Probably not. In my dreams, I will I will say one thing about Manny. In his defense, he played, you know, as poor of a defensive left fielder as he was most of the time. He played pretty well defensively in Boston. Few few outfielders could play a ball off the wall like he could, and that, I guess that was the one good thing going for him out there. Do you know yeah, which did. team Manny Ramirez hit his last home run as a member of this team? Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays? No. 
Matt? I have no, no. idea. Is it the White Sox? The Chicago White Sox, 2010. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> On halfway to St. Patty's Day, in his, rocking his green that. White Sox uniform, <laughs> Manny Ramirez just ripped a home what a run. Kenny move. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That that um, acquisition, there, uh, MLB was filming like a documentary about like front offices, inside front offices. So you get to see like kind of as they're having that conversation and Ken Rosenthal like puts out a tweet that says something like, you know, the White Sox uh, trading, like they traded for Edwin Jackson to then try to flip him for Adam Dunn. So like Rosenthal tweeted like, you know, White Sox like don't think they can get Adam Dunn. They're focusing on Manny Ramirez now. Like they've described it as a Hail Mary. And like Kenny, I remember that. And Kenny Williams sitting in the like the war room, he turns and you can see Rick Hahn too, and he turns to everyone and he's like, Okay, he's like phones, center of the table. And I'm just <laughs> thinking about how like we're being so secret about acquiring thirty eight year old Manny Ramirez. <laughs> <laughs> I remember reading reports that said Washington would trade Dunn to the White Sox in return for Edwin Jackson. And then, like, at the last minute, after Jackson went to the White Sox, they backed out and were like, eh, I don't think so. Well, so this is why I was so pumped. Kenny, Kenny got baited so hard. <laughs> well, because I was reading, like, uh, you know, the, the articles and saying, seeing, like, Adam Dunn says, you know, because I think he had a no-trade clause or something where it's like Adam Dunn says he'd be okay uh, DHing for, like, the next two months. Because, you know, obviously they had Paul Panerko. And I thought, like, oh, you know, that'd be great. Like, Adam Dunn at DH. We'd have Rios, Canerco, Dunn, Quentin. And then, like, 2011 comes, and they sign Adam Dunn to this huge contract. And I think, like, oh, no. You know, he he was really, like, vocal about how... If he had been traded, like, he wouldn't want to be a full-time DH. Like, what, what does this mean for Canerco? And then they get Canerco yeah. back, and that's that's when I thought, and so did the White Sox, oh, wow, they're all in. And yeah. uh, turns out uh, they were all in on on a 159 batting average for Adam Dunn <laughs> and 11 home runs. He yeah, that seems... got appendicitis, like, had that surgery early in the year but i'll say this watching him bat like the rest of the year and i have never had the operation but i can say it was probably like having appendicitis watching adam dunn hit in 2011 (laughs) that might be harsh but it was it gave you appendicitis it was that yeah like if i ever have to get my appendix out i'm gonna say this is a residual effect from watching Adam Dunn in 2011. Matt, are there any players that you can remember the Cubs acquiring where you weren't all too excited about them joining the team? That long ago, not really. Um, and by that long ago, I mean, like, back when the Cubs were all in. I remember Soriano that everyone was super excited about, uh, Fukudome, that yes. both... <laughs> You know, one more than the other, but they both turned out to be, not flops, but just not as good as they were supposed to be. Especially Fukudome. Okay, I, I have a Fukudome story. 
So uh, when the Cubs, that was in like what two thousand nine, the Fukudome. Uh, like the it was thing. either eight or nine, I think. Mm-hmm. I'll check. So like, uh, after you know the Cubs had made the playoffs like back to back years, and they were, kind, I think they had started like kind of the pre Theo Epstein scale back, and uh, right. Fukudome like hits this three-run home run in the game, and then, like, the next at bat, he bunts, like, this squares up this perfect bunt, like, runs to first really fast, and the announcers were like, this guy can do it all, like, he is the next big thing, and, like, four years later, he's hitting... Of course, for no other than the Chicago White Sox is, like, a scrap utility below budget can we squeeze the last value out of this corpse <laughs> of a ball player you know it's kenny williams favorite uh acquisition type of acquisition yeah. um, he hit he hit all of 171 in 2012 in 24 games with the white Sox. i just remember being at a game and we had a guy on third and uh down by one and like fukudome just ripped this ball like to the opposite field and the guy made a diving catch and the Sox lost in the bottom of the ninth. So that's my in-person Fukudome memory. If if he hadn't single-handedly won that game for Japan in the World Baseball Classic, do you think he would have been that big of a deal? Was this in 2008? Um, I don't think so. Yeah. Because I will have to admit right? ignorance on that World Baseball Classic. I, I did he not like watch. he hit a walk off. I don't remember if it was a home run or it was a walk off something. And then like the day after that, his value just like skyrocketed, and everybody wanted Kosuke Fukudome. Like think Shohei Otani. Daisuke Matsuzaka was the last Japanese uh, uh, player to come over before him, and people were kind of waiting like, well, who's who's the next player going to be out of Japan? And then Fukudome had that big game in the World Baseball Classic, and they were like, that's the guy. <laughs> He's, he's the one. Everybody signed him. And the Cubs ended up getting him, and it was a big deal. Almost got Tanaka, too. Yeah. White, White Sox were in on Tanaka. Tanaka is the only player the White Sox have offered a uh, $100 million or larger contract to. I'm going to be adding uh, young Timothy to this uh, podcast. So he's he's, yeah, he's Tim or youngest writer? I believe so. Yeah, I beat him by uh, two months. So, all right, let's see if uh, let's see if Tim joins here. So you guys, hi Tim, say hi to the podcast. <laughs> get your uh, get your audacity going. So I have that. Cool. And then, uh, so his audio won't kick in. If someone doesn't know, a couple seconds, like we'll that, have him say hi again. If someone doesn't know that audacity is like a sound recording. <laughs> Alright, Audacity is recording. Tim Morales. Yeah. Turn up that Audacity, out. boys. Tim yeah, I just his I turned on audacity. my Audacity there real quick. I was I was lacking it, and then I and I thought of some sassy things, and I became audacious. So, uh, what? What can we give to Tim in order, uh, or in terms of like a, a rundown of what we've been talking about? We talked about uh, baseball, White Sox, and Cubs. Initial thoughts. Yeah, we've m- mainly just been talking baseball. 
Manny uh, Ramirez about... in a white socks uniform. <laughs> we, did, we did talk about that for a couple minutes, and then uh, we just finished talking about Kosuke Fukudome. Um, we talked about Addison Russell and how he's improved, uh, how Tim Anderson needs to improve. Um, we talked about Owen's book, uh, how Matt ruins perfect games and pretty much everything in general. Um, <laughs> I'm not denying yeah, that. I think, I think you're caught up now. We got Sounds about good. 25 Sounds minutes good. left of podcast. You're in the loop. You're, yeah. Now you're in the loop. Oh! I'm in the loop. <laughs> that was me high-fiving myself. I thought that was you high-fiving <laughs> me. Oh, dang it. Oh, I just, Wait, here, I got here, it. Here, go, I got up for, it. go up for another Okay, okay. okay. Do this again. Nice. There you go. Nice. <laughs> Why? You didn't have to high-five so hard. That hurt. Sorry. Is your palm's that a little red. I am sorry. Shaking my the wrist. The high-five for audacity. <laughs> SMW. Shaking my wrist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tim. Did you, uh, were you able to watch the White Sox game at all today? I did. I caught the last few innings of it. So you saw um, the, uh, the shutdown performance from the Sox bullpen? And I'm I'm not joking about that. I thought they did pretty well today. Yeah, no, the bullpen was good. And um, uh, there were a couple people who looked bad, um, but there were a few people who looked great. Uh, Abreu looked pretty good. Cabrera. Um, and... Even, obviously, Al Garcia got two hits, which is a milestone for him. Saladino got two hits? Yeah, Saladino. Well, I forgot Saladino. Two hits. Yeah, while Anderson was bad, uh, May yes. didn't do too <laughs> well on his debut. Um, but this is, you know, this is just the first game. I'm sure, you know, a lot of these people will There just, is know, totally someone... To their on Twitter who is probably screaming that, like, the White Sox need to demand Anderson give his contract back. Like, you know that tweet exists. People get so crazy over one game, you know? I mean, I would just, I would be shocked if Quintana were were to continue this. I would bet my life that he'll he'll, he'll come out next start and he'll um, he'll have a great outing. This is Um, on the record. Tim has bet his life. He says yeah, he will be a human sacrifice audio. for Jose Quintana's trade value if he's wrong. Anders can can personally come to my house and murder me if Jose Quintana <laughs> does not does not do well in his next outing. Tim, I don't know like what's going on in your life, but um, for for Anders Noah, Tim was at my house a few days ago, and I have a little like basketball hoop kind of deal in my basement, and Tim said that if he didn't make a shot, he would, like, kill himself. <laughs> and he completely missed. So, he's like... Sometimes I joke around with serious matters. So, like, this is his he, ghost he, right now? Yeah. I mean, he, it should be his ghost. Tim. Anders, I didn't realize I... that you knew Tim in real life, or lived in the same neighborhood. Uh, yeah, he's actually my dad. <laughs> Spoiler alert, I'm Tim's dad. Uh, but Matt G and I go to the same church, so that's kind of cool. Yeah, it's true. We still oh, see haven't met each other yet. Yeah. Oh, and you're really the, the one that's kind of left out here. Yeah, well, because I know, basically know all of you, like, different, well, mostly from Twitter, but 
Yeah. Yeah, I I didn't get the invite. You're a celebrity. I would have <laughs> I would have flown in to to play this game or to be the referee for it. Then it would have wow, lasted 3 hours for anyone who watched last night's title game. Oh my god. It's a joke about the referees. <laughs> what are we talking? Oh, oh. The national like, championship game from last night. You completely lost me. I was like, ref this game. Basketball. It's basketball. Oh, uh, <laughs> Do you guys want to talk about that? I mean, I kind of, I, I read that uh, Gonzaga kind of pooped their pants a little bit, and uh, yeah, I don't know. Gonzaga, yeah, talking. well, I mean, people were, I, I mean, the officiating last night was very bad, but at the same time, there were calls going against both teams, so I don't think Gonzaga has like a huge claim that they got screwed. Because there were there was no single team. call that like screwed just them, so yeah, yeah, that's what I read. Yeah, but and I don't know. I don't know. It wasn't like, a beautiful. Roy Williams, UNC's coach, like after the game, he even said like in his interview with the confetti dropping, "We both played horrible, but you know, here we are." Like it, both teams, it was not a good night shooting. Like UNC. I can't believe UNC won. They shot four of twenty-four from three-point line, which is sixteen percent, and they won. So, if that gives you any indication, was the officiating like pretty uneven on both sides? It was just weird. It was like the refs were dominating the game. So every time yeah. there was a play, they'd like call a travel or like call a foul on what's just incidental contact they call the flagrant just I, I it's just hard to explain but basically it was like I'm just laughing because incidental contact sounds like a great name for like an indie band <laughs> <laughs> hey just check out my band we're called incidental contact <laughs> <laughs> we, we just dropped an EP on Bandcamp <laughs> We're playing at the Chicago Wind game. Uh, anyway, that was uh sorry I didn't mean to derail the conversation. Incidental <laughs> contact will be playing at Guaranteed Rate Field. Yeah, yeah they will be. I would go. I would go to see yeah. them. It's fun. I wouldn't go to see them, and I'm in the band. Incidental contact, is, their logo is also Dude, just one big downward red arrow. I can't. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh, you're killing me. I'm, actually, you're, I'm coughing. Alright. So do we, do we want to talk about professional basketball? Oh. <laughs> I, I have to admit, yeah, I have guys, not... I've not looked at the score since the Bulls were down by, like, 15. Yeah, they lost by, like, 9. Spoiled so it, Tim. I had it on TiVo. I was going to watch the whole thing. Sorry. I, I'm just kidding. Uh, it's a yeah, Bulls loss. Is it really that much of a spoiler? <clears throat> yeah. Who did they play? The Knicks. The Knicks. It's so Yikes. frustrating. Oh. They do decent. They do, like average against 
like okay teams. They play pretty well against really good teams, and then they play awfully against bad teams. It's a huge anomaly. It's just ridiculous. I think the Bulls yeah. are 4-0 and versus the Cavs this year. They, they beat are. Golden State. They, I mean, yeah. they just they took down the Hawks like a couple days ago, and like the Hawks aren't amazing, but they're not scrubs. Yeah, I think I, they beat yeah, the Spurs they, earlier in the year. Yeah, like it's so. Oh, I agree with you, Tim. It's oh, just, I just confounding. It's so which frustrating. Is, the interesting thing about it is that it almost makes you hope that they have a chance in the playoffs because they're playing pretty good teams, and. The Bulls, it looks like right now they're going to be either the 8th or the ninth seed. If they're the 8th seed, actually they'll play the Celtics probably. Aren't there three teams right now tied in the loss column? Because you've got the Bulls, the Pacers, and the Heat all have 40 losses as the 7, 8, and 9. So the Bulls are in the driver's seat even after tonight's loss. Are they? Yeah. They're they're the seventh seed. Oh, you're right. So, and and oh. it's not like, well, honestly, Tim, if I were to what are you talking about? <laughs> if I were to sit here, Tim, and say like, oh, the Bulls have an easy schedule coming up, <clears throat> I should really list like Cavs, Golden State, and all the world beaters. But yeah. I don't even want to say like will be the show with me while they talk about basketball. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not even like the. The Bulls, you know, they're playing the 76ers, and, like, you can't even yeah. bank that as a win. Exactly. That's it, it, well, so frustrating. So so here's the thing. I think the Bulls have to hope that if the Cavs are the one seed, the Bulls get the eight seed. If the Cavs are the second seed, the Bulls get the seventh seed. Because yeah. I know they're still probably going to lose a series to the Cavs, but going 4-0 against them, you know, they can't be all fluky. I think... The Bulls do match up pretty well with the Cavs. I don't think they'll win a series against them, but when you've had so much success against them, I mean that gives you confidence. And I agree. I think the Bulls. I think the Bulls can manage to win two games. Um, it's possible that they even win three. I mean, I just, you know, I'll go on record saying if the Bulls play the Cavs in the eight-one matchup, it would go to seven games. I, I, I was just going to ask, all, all basketball playoff series are best of seven, correct? Yeah. Uh, yes. But That's why they last from, like, freaking April to June. And, and Tim, <laughs> I don't think it's necessarily even just, like, Cavs-Bulls. This is weird, but it, it's like how the Bulls match up against LeBron James. Because look yeah. at how the Bulls would compete against the Heat in the playoffs. Like, mm-hmm. they lost... In 2013, they lost that series, like, 4-1. to one, But it yeah. was a lot closer than, oh, yeah, than that sure. made it look. Because they had... And a couple years ago, they won two games against them. Now, that yeah. was with an entirely different team, but... Still. I mean, I, it's, it's just... It's one of those things. Like, when the Bulls play LeBron James and whoever his villains are around him, they, yeah. something about it, they just go into this extra gear. And it's... Yeah. I don't know. It's just... You know, why Why can't they play LeBron yeah. James every day? It's Said almost no like one they ever. built a team that would, uh, that would do well <laughs> against a team in their own division. Yeah. Man, imagine that. Do you think Fred Hoiberg... I don't... I don't know. Would be 
would have been a better baseball manager than Robin and vice versa? <laughs> I don't have think. You, have you posted any of those articles yet? What articles? The GM oh. swap articles. Well, Anders, if you paid attention to the Loop Sports Grutney chat, you would know that I'm only doing one of those, and that's for the Hawks GM. I, I scratched okay. the other ones. Um, I saw that. And yeah. I just wasn't sure if you were going to do any other ones. I saw that you. He, I don't think I read that you were going to uh, scrap all of them, but that what Owen just asked kind of reminded yeah. me of that. This would be a cool yeah. series, too. No, yeah, yeah. Well, I scrapped them because a lot of the times that results of the team and the makeup of the team can come from a GM that happened prior to the current GM or can come from the team just being bad or injuries or something. So it'd be kind of hard to say that everything was based on the GM. Right. Um, but, but that's an interesting question, Owen, because I, I mean, I think most Chicago, like pretty much every Chicago fan would agree that well, neither coach. We don't even have is... to go as far as like the, the in-game tactics. Like, let's just talk yeah. about, you know, clubhouse buy-in and locker yeah. room buy-in. I mean, there seems like this, there's a pretty good parallel. And again, these are two, these are two Jerry Reinsdorf teams. And we talk about mm-hmm. common denominators a lot, but the, it, yeah. at the end of the day, it comes down to accountability. And, you know, people on Twitter, like, think I'm, you know, such a company man or whatever, but, like, this is why, even though he's been in the organization for, like, mm-hmm. 15 years, this is why I like Rick Hunt, because he doesn't just sit there and, like, go with the status quo. If Rick Hahn yeah. had left the organization, like, t- you know, two years ago, for example, I-, I really don't think they'd be rebuilding. Like, Kenny would have signed uh Brandon Moss and traded for like J- Jared Weaver oh. or something. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I just Yeah. And and I think we yeah. But I, I was just going to say that like you know, finally the White Sox have picked this new path and I know a lot of people exactly. want the Bulls to do the same and at you know the end of last season, the White Sox season, it was kind of like, um, you know, you were kind of like okay with losses because you thought, okay, at the very least, like, if they lose, Robin will be gone. Like, they'll trade sale, yeah. they'll do something, it'll lead to something. But I'm not going to sit here and be like, yeah, I don't want to watch a Bulls playoff series because it won't do anything. If they miss the playoffs, it won't mean anything. So at yeah. least I'd get to see a few, like, games on TV where there's a little more energy and it's a little more hyped. But, totally. you know, anyone who thinks that the Bulls miss- getting the ninth seed is going to mean that John Paxson and Gar Foreman are out is deluding themselves. Those guys have jobs for life. And they just, they do. So... Let me, uh, let me ask you guys this. As a White Sox fan... I always looked at it as the Sox aren't going to truly start their rebuilding process until they trade Chris Sale. I looked at him as the guy like, you know, he's the indicator. If they trade Sale, then, you know, it, it must really be the sign of something new is starting. Who is that player for the Bulls? Is it Jimmy Butler or is it a, a combination I, of players? I think it's Dwayne Wade. I don't Wade. know if it, 
Yeah. No, no. It's it, it's Jimmy Butler. I think it's Jimmy Butler. It has to be because really? he's a he's a controllable superstar, just like Sale. I mean, the parallels between these two teams are just uncanny. But but the thing is, I and I'm on record saying this. I don't think that rebuilding in the NBA works the same as baseball. I feel like it's a false yeah. equivalency. Yeah, that's that's what I was gonna say too. I. I just don't. Well, you think... probably see the results a lot quicker, right? Exactly, and because you don't have prospects in the NBA, yeah. so you have to take a chance on draft picks, and it's not like yeah, the the and, players coming out of college have and, an immediate impact on the game. Whereas in baseball, you have to wait a couple about, years. This is what I wrote about a couple a month ago or something. Only like half of like the last um, number one draft picks have turned out to be really good players. And especially if, you know, if you're out of the top five, I mean, those players aren't even, you know, a lot of them aren't even that good. Like, once you get out of the lottery in the NBA, the, I mean, these players are just not... And, and Tim, look at... None of them are impactful. Look at, like, the really good college players, too, like Doug McDermott and Buddy Heald, although yeah. it's early for him. But look at some of these college players who just light up the world in college, and mm-hmm. it doesn't translate. And it's yeah. just to me, to me, trading Chris Sale, you got Yon Mankata, you got Michael Kopac, mm-hmm. then you got your kind of lottery tickets in like Basabe and and Diaz. Um, although I, I like both of those players, I think they're they're probably better than than lottery tickets. But if we're just looking at like the composition of that package for the NBA, you don't see players get traded like for other current players it's usually mm-hmm. draft picks um yeah. and part of that's because of like how how the salary cap works out and that's why you see like these bloated contracts attached and then the guys mm-hmm. like wave the next day but you look at the the demarcus cousins trade and like that was not a great trade return and no. i could i could be more on board with trading jimmy butler if he was like an unrestricted free agent in even two years, but they control him for three more, I think. Yeah. And, like, if you can't build around Jimmy Butler, what makes you think that uh, one of the three draft picks you get for Butler, who may turn into Butler, may Mm -hmm. turn into him? What makes you think, then, you can build around that guy? You've got Butler here. He's already here. Yeah. And I think... This is why I don't think there is an answer answer to Anders' question because um, because in the NBA you're not going to get the prospects that you get in the MLB and uh, when you when you get these guys like Boncada and um, you get the people you got for Eaton, and then you have all these other guys that you still have to trade, uh, like Frazier, Robertson. Um, there's a sense of security in that you know you're getting a lot of people with a lot of potential, but you don't get that in the NBA because no one comes even close to Jimmy Butler's value. So you're only going to get one chance at one trade to get someone who you can build for your future. There's literally no one else on the Bulls roster 
that they can trade for a very good draft pick. I don't think anyone would get a first rounder. I think the best they can do is get like a second rounder for maybe. Well, if you think about it, like over the summer, the best shot for a a Butler trade, excuse me, was when the uh, Celtics were maybe going to talk the number three overall pick, which the Bulls would have taken Chris Dunn, and then added someone established, like an Avery Bradley, right? But obviously that's not happening now. And teams, they just don't make those types of trades. You don't, uh, unless you're the Bulls, in which case you'd trade, like, Doug McDermott and the running yeah. free agent and a draft pick for, like, one guy that then you send to the D-League. But exactly. uh, smart, rational organizations don't make trades like that. Ever. So, so I think the Bulls just have to rebuild around Butler. They have to get rid of Wade, see if they can trade him. Um, and then they have to hope they draft well and get or, or sign someone in free agency. Um, there's there's no support Curry to Bulls. this rumor, but yeah, <laughs> but I don't know. Carmelo Anthony's out of New York, and um, well, how about Chris Paul? And this is where yeah, you'd Chris say Paul. you you keep Dwayne Wade though as a recruiter. That's sort well, of yeah. why they got him. I thought. Yeah. I just yeah. It seems like your best option. Rebuilding in the NBA is almost just like signing. When you said Carmelo Anthony, that reminded me of something, and it's it's prescient because the Bulls played the Knicks tonight. Um, do you yeah. remember two years ago when it was like, you know, Bulls have Derrick Rose, Bulls have Joakim Noah, you know, Carmelo Anthony might come to Chicago, like the big mm-hmm. three, right? And that was going to be yeah. our version of the big three. No one talks about this, but the Knicks had that exact big three this year. They had Carmelo Anthony, Joakim Noah, and Derrick Rose. Like, the yeah. the dream three we were dreaming of, conceivably, like, still thought would have been a force just a couple years after the signing, which would be this year, was dreadful. A shell in New York. Also, yeah. Derrick Rose tore his meniscus. Again. What was he thinking doing that? But yeah, enough about the Bulls. This talk of somehow a rebuild being, you know, very difficult is depressing. How, so how are we just... doing on time, honors? We got seven. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder. He just showed it to everyone. Oh, I didn't see it. I didn't have you on video. I've been doing it for the last five minutes. I think Owen's staring away from his computer (laughs) and, like, just staring at the wall and talking because (laughs) uh, he's just on a ramble there. Okay, so how much time do we have left? Seven minutes? Uh, like, three minutes. Three minutes? Dang it. Okay. Um, then... I really, really wanted to unpack Jose Quintana's trade value, but we'll have to do that in the next episode. Do you want to well, give me like a one and a half minute timer to try to explain it really quick? Go, go, go! Or did you go. set the timer? There we go. You ready? Nice driver's license. Thank you. Uh, stop, stop, reset, start, go. Okay, guys. So everyone's talking about got to trade Jose Quintana. His value is never going to be higher. This needs to be exactly a minute 30. Okay, it, it will be. <laughs> but you've just taken away five seconds. Uh, Sorry, keep going. And that it has to be, um, you know, this uh, this season, in season, by the deadline, because, like, it, you know, his peak value, 
he could get injured, you know, market could develop around him, etc. But here's the thing. The the White Sox should not trade Quintana for anything less than fair value. And and I talked about this on Twitter, but it's like you wouldn't, you know, trade or give away like your umbrella for nothing just because it's not going to rain for the next two years or whatever. Um, but then you might need that umbrella later. And conceivably, the White Sox could be contending in 2019 and 2020, years of which Quintana is under control. And that's what makes Quintana different than Chris Sale, Frazier, D-Rob, not Nate Jones, but but Melky. He's different because you have him under the control. So when you're doing these packages, you're not just looking at, I'm seeing I'm running out of time. You're not just looking at the present value of all the assets and doing that as a benchmark over the life of the control. You're looking at how can this package help us more than Quintana's value to the MLB team in 2019 and 2020? Because that's a consideration because the White Sox, okay, in that time will be in sort of win now mentality. And that's, that's why they're treating Quintana as both a rebuilding team and as a win now team. Because they see him as a win now piece, as well. Yeah. Okay, that's it. That's that's nice feel. I agree. That was a good spiel. <laughs> How much time? Two minutes. Where where this got to be it? No. I, I wish I wish we could talk longer, but we are constrained by our upload abilities. Okay. So, Matt, you um, haven't talked in like an hour. Say something. It it moved to basketball. Specifically the NBA instead of the WNBA, so I was, I was out. <laughs> Any you. WNBA notes in the next two seconds? I think it's the Okay, thank you, Matt G. So. <laughs> yeah, all right. I'm rooting for the wind. <laughs> yeah, Chicago wind. Go in. All right, thank you to Owen. Thank you to Matt. Thanks to Tim, even though he showed up a little bit late. This has been the Damn Ryan Show, the official podcast of thelooksports.com. See you guys all next time. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.